Okay, so decisions, decisions. The choices that we make, that's the subtitle. So we make decisions every day, some big ones and some small ones. What am I going to eat for breakfast? Phil, he's at home. Hi, everyone on Zoom. That would be Phil's. What am I going to have? Sheila, what do you want for breakfast? So almost as soon as I've come down, but uh, anyway, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? <laughs> I love it. Anyway, whom am I going to marry? That's a big decision. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Lots of decisions. Decisions every day, almost every minute. So what's the biggest choice that you've made? Have a think about that. So let's have a look at the mega choice which Adam and Eve made that impacted on the whole of creation. So if you would like to go to Genesis 2, verses 8 and 9, and we'll have a look at that. Genesis 2, 8 and 9. And you know the story. But do you know what I'm going to reveal to you? Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. That's important. I love trees. Who loves trees? Leanne, I know you love trees. She loves to look out at the trees. And God's made them, and they're beautiful, and they change, and they house birds, and they bring forth fruit, and they just look beautiful. Now, in the middle of the garden were the tree of life, which I think I got that one here. Yeah, the tree of life. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So I've got these two props here. So the trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So I think that might be the next slide. Anyway, so if we have, if we move on in Genesis 2 and we go to verse 16 and we read, And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Bless you. So the tree of life, relying on God, intimacy with God, close relationship with God and and spiritual life. And it's about knowing God's light and love and life. It's a good choice to make. But that was God's command. And if we go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, now this is the key which I didn't know was Relying, it's relying on your own judgment of what is good and evil. 
your own judgment, right and wrong. But it brings a disconnect with God and a spiritual death. So this was this key revelation to me. Maybe it is to you, maybe it's not. What did that actually mean? Because when I think about it, what's the problem with knowing the difference between good and evil, right and wrong? What's the problem? We need to know that. But then when it's a judgment of mine, or my own, or yours, on your own, without God, it's judged by my own will. Therein lies the difference. A purely moral human compass. So then we can get into the realms of relative truth. And that's not good for us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's in John 14.6, but we'll come back to that later. So if we move on to Genesis 3, verses 1 to 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, and this is that question, isn't it? Did God really say, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden, from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So if we pause at that point and we look at the words, and you must not touch it, is that what God said? We didn't read that, did we? So the woman, think about it, the woman got her instructions from the man. God commanded the man that this, that you should not eat from this tree. And the man instructed the woman, And so somewhere in that, this extra superstitious thing came along. But in a way, it shouldn't really have interfered. You must not eat it, is the point. Not you must not touch it, but you must not eat it. So what happens when we add to God's word? Or when we change the meaning? Well, quite often a big misunderstanding and misinterpretation. And I thought, do I say this at this point? Um, I think it's so important to read God's word from a good translation that is true and goes back to the original language and the, the kind of the, the good interpreters. There's not There's nothing wrong with reading a paraphrase, but always know what the words say in the other translations, the true translations, because you will get words added. You will get the way somebody has interpreted it. Um, So know the, the first translation, the real true one, and then you can weigh it up for yourself. Okay. 
So, continuing, Genesis 3, verse 4. You will not certainly die, said the serpent to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from the fruit, or from it, the tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now here we have Satan changing God's word. And of course he knew what he was doing. He was trying to thwart God's plan. <clears throat> so when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Note the word desirable. Think about us and our human desires. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now what I discovered was that realizing they were naked was feeling shame. It was actually, oh. Would somebody be very kind and go out of that door and get a big reel of masking tape off the bookshelf? Because I don't know that that will stick back on without the aid of, <laughs> of the masking tape. Thank you, Simon. Phil, cut that bit out. <laughs> okay, so I'll prop it up at the bottom if it won't stay. So that was shame that they felt. Has anybody felt shame? Yeah, I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. I thought I'd just put a little bit in about wisdom here because thinking about this understanding about our own uh, judgment of what is good and evil, right and wrong, and we need wisdom, but we need God's wisdom. We can't just rely on what we think. So I thought about the passage in James, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So over here, thank you, Simon, over here, this is where we find our wisdom from God. So, where have I got to, Sheila? <clears throat> and so, oh, so the choice was made for us all, wasn't it? That was the big mega decision. The choice was made for us all. The original sin, and with it, Adam and Eve felt shame. But worst of all, it brought about that disconnect from God. Yeah, and they were banned from the garden. And so were we. No longer to eat from the tree of life, but to continue, in a sense, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we know God didn't leave them. We know they left the garden. And it's still man's choice today. I choose life. As Sid the Sloth said in the film Ice Age, you have to do it with your tongue out. I choose life. 
for those that have seen it. And I choose life. But God's salvation plan had already been made before he created us. It's mind-blowing. He knew that we would do that, or we would most likely do that. So, now I've got on to part two. Part one is about decisions, the big decision. So part two is we're going to have a look at some of the characters in the Bible and think about what decisions they made and the results that they had, the consequences that they had from their choices. So we've heard about Adam and Eve. Now what about Cain and Abel? Now this was another learning point from for me, and I think David spoke about it, um, I can't remember when, but recently. Um, I, I could never quite understand what was the problem with Cain's choice. Um, he brought the first fruits of the harvest, um, when Abel with the cattle. And so, so what was the problem in that? Bringing the first fruits, bringing that as a sacrifice or an offering, in fact. What displeased God so much about that? Well, I was to learn that it was actually the attitude of Cain's heart that was displeasing to God. There was no joy in Cain's heart. In fact, he came along with disbelief that God would like his offering. Whereas Abel came along with joy in his heart. He knew that God would be delighted. So we need to learn from that too. So we have Noah built the ark. Abraham chose to sacrifice Isaac. He made some bad decisions as well. He did tell some lies and nevertheless, he was faithful to God. Now, Jacob, I think he's such an interesting character. He chose to lie, to deceive, and to steal. And yet, you know what happened with him. And Esau, of course, had no regard for his birthright, no regard for it. Now, Jacob turned around when he wrestled with God, and it was, in a sense, a kind of repentance. But it's a great story. Our God keeps on running after us, doesn't he, to be there for us when we're slipping up, making mistakes, and being defiant. Now, let's skip on to Moses, because, <clears throat> I mean, you're, you're fine. There's lots in between. Um, he chose to do as God had asked and return to Egypt to free the Hebrew slaves. Now, that was a big decision, but God was with him through that. Although he did say he couldn't do it on his own, even though God said, actually, you know what you can. But nevertheless, God was so kind and generous. And what about Ruth? She made a big decision to remain with Naomi, her mother-in-law. So there was that decision. The two daughters-in-law, without husbands who had died, Naomi, whose husband had died. And Naomi decides to go back, doesn't she, to Bethlehem. And Ruth says in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God my God. So she was then choosing the tree of life. 
And she's honoured by God, isn't she? She becomes wedded to Boaz and became the great-grandmother of David. It's amazing. One of the women actually named in the genealogy of Jesus. Now, the other daughter-in-law, she made a different choice. But then Naomi said, you know, stay behind. Don't come with me. This is going to be terrible. Perhaps she chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but we don't know, do we? We don't know what, I don't know if you know what happened to Orpah. I think I keep wanting to call her Oprah. Um, Orpah, we don't know what happened to her. And maybe God did still stay with her. I don't know, but it's actually Ruth who found God. Anyway, let's skip on to Saul. Now, people wanted a king, didn't they? And God, it was okay with God that Saul was anointed. But his love and loyalty waned, wavered, and he turned. And that was his choice. Because at the beginning, he was, he was very faithful to God, I suppose. He did respect God, but then he turned. And it was, he decided it was up to his decision and his choice. So if we skip on to King David, he was wholehearted for God, but we all know that big decision that he made with Bathsheba and, of course, arranging the death of Uriah, her husband. So how did David repair his relationship with God? Now, what I would do suggest that you look at Psalm 51, one of my favorites, um, and we can find the key. Does anybody, I mean, you don't have to. I've got some of it written down, but not all of it. But I'm only going to read some of it. I actually love this psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And then I go on to cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. So that's how we need to come to God, isn't it? This is the sacrifice. This is the plea that we need um, to go to God with. And God will accept it. David says God will accept it. Now, our David spoke last week, I think it was, about repenting, believing, and being baptized. Now, King David here in this psalm, explains that in repentance, we must be truly sorry. It's not one of those, oh yeah, sorry, but we don't really mean it. It's truly sorry. So much so, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And we need to know God. We do need to know him intimately. We need to know the person the Holy Father, who we have offended. 
What Jesus has done for our redemption, we need to know that. What has he done for our redemption? And we need his forgiveness and a cleansing from our sin, a washing and a renewal, rather like believing, repenting, and being baptized. Now, I'll just tell you a little bit. My sister lives in Greece, some of you will know, and she told me about when um, she and her husband bought a new shop out there. And when they buy a, a shop or a premises or something like that, they have a ceremony of blessing for it. And the priest is invited round, and he has a bunch of basil. <laughs> it's probably holy basil. He has a bunch of basil with holy water, and he prays and he blesses and he flicks the holy water around the shop. I don't know if he flicks, flicks it at the people as well, uh, but it's just a lovely thought that cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. But it's a blessing. That's what they do there. So, we think about, we've looked at the Old Testament a bit there. Uh, what about in the New Testament? I mean, there's plenty of people that you can read about in the Old Testament, aren't there, about their choices. But in the New Testament, there are two characters that spring to mind, to my mind, very easily. Judas being one of them who betrayed Jesus. Now, that's something I have to get my head around as well. You know, he was already the one who was going to betray Jesus. How did God know? Well, he knew what was in his heart, didn't he? That I came. Yeah. So he knew what was in his heart. He chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was his decision. It was not going by God. But then, of course, we come to Paul. Now, he was zealous for God, wasn't he? Zealous for God and yet persecuting the followers of Jesus Christ. Interesting. So where, where was he? Hmm. I think he was over here, but he hadn't had that revelation, had he? Because that came later with his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he had his sight restored by Ananias when he, Ananias placed his hands on him. And in a sense, he, when he got his sight restored, he, he, he in fact seemed to get spiritual sight once that had happened. So he certainly was over here with the tree of life. So what about you and me? I know we're not written in the Bible, or are we? Do you know what I think we are? We are. So what about you and me? What choices do we make? So, part three. So we've seen the choice that was made in the garden. That was the beginning, our disconnect from God. The consequences of relying on our own will, a permanent exclusion from God's presence when we die, eternal damnation. So how do we get back to spiritual life, to an intimate relationship with God? How do we do that? Well, there is a price to pay. We cannot bridge the gap on our own. And you've heard this preach before, haven't you? Well, of course, the simple answer the profound answer is Jesus. He has paid the price through his death. 
So if we have a look at uh, Romans 5, 8, you may know that off by heart. I had to learn it when I, when there was a Billy Graham mission. I don't know, were you around, Mike, when we did the, that, the life and we had a number of verses that we had to remember, but it's been so helpful. But dog, God, dog, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So that is his death. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, not by our own works or anything like that. Jesus points the way to the Father. He points the way back so we can feed on the tree of life again. And then that leads me on to John 6, 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The spiritual life that Adam and Eve had in the garden can be restored to us through Jesus Christ. And we need to feed on him the bread of life. Come back to the tree. So, Maynard's not here, but... I've also got John 10.10, which I'm sure you all know too, but it's his favorite verse. I have come that they, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So it's life abundant, but also life eternal. Abundant as in God's intimate presence with us by his Holy Spirit and eternal. So we're Come back to the tree of life. And in John 3.16, that's that famous verse. For God so loved the world. So put your name in there. For God so loved Sheila that he gave his one and only son that when she believes in him, she shall not perish but have eternal life. Praise God. Praise God for Jesus. Now, Jesus also said that he is the vine and that we need to remain in him. So that's in John chapter 15. We're grafted into the vine, the tree of life in a sense. Jesus is the vine with healthy rootstock. We need to remain in the vine, continuing to feed from the tree of life. Now, have you made your decision already? I suspect you have. That's why you're here. But it is our own choice to make. Nobody can make that choice for us. It's our choice to make. Do we choose Christ? Excellent. Do we choose life? Yes, the tree of life. But what do we do from then? We've made that choice. What's the next step? And thank you, Michelle, for that lovely talk. Thank you, Pat, as well. But that is, we pass on the baton in the relay, don't we? And we pass that on. We go out and we spread the word. We spread the love of Jesus. Let others know so that they can choose too. 
That's the great commission, isn't it? So Jesus told us that's what he wants us to do so that others can choose to eat from the tree of life. Thank you. So let's choose the tree of life and let's help others do the same. Amen.